Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a Riordan verse read along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host, Fran, and welcome to the show. Before we dive into our next couple of chapters for the Battle of the Labyrinth, I do want to preface this episode just to kind of let people know that while there's nothing changing about this podcast, um, for anyone who has also gone to my YouTube channel, I have to just found four Percy Jackson content, released extra bonus content. Um, I unfortunately will no longer be making content on YouTube. Um, I have sadly um, been harassed and insulted far too many times on my Percy Jackson videos for me to feel comfortable and confident enough to continue to make video-based Percy Jackson content for the foreseeable future. I'd taken a little bit of a break previously and I came back recently for a if I was a writer for Percy Jackson video and it got to the level that I've had to turn off the comments on the video itself. I've posted a statement on my community page on YouTube explaining that I was no longer going to be making content which then led to further people coming to harass me and insult me on that post about me talking about being harassed and insulted. So um, yeah, I will no longer be making Percy Jackson YouTube video content because my mental health means a lot more than people who think it's fun to be dicks on the internet and that really does say a little about you in that you probably have so little going on in your life that you find it fun to try and destroy another person's feelings so some people i just want to say this to percy jackson fans listening if you ever see someone talking disrespectfully disgustingly as i have been spoken to and as many percy jackson creators have been spoken to do call it out. Do not ignore it. Because that is the thing, and that is a problem in this fandom. It is ignored when people are being harassed and sent death threats like I have been. We do nothing about it. Only the person who's having it happen to them has to do something, and no one else supports them. Thankfully, I have all of the fantastic Percy Jackson podcasters and my friends who are on my side with all of this and making sure I'm okay. So I have a support system. Not everyone has that kind of support system. So if you see someone being a dick, call them out for being a dick. Um, and if you're one of those dicks, piss off elsewhere. We don't want you. You're a small human being who 
from the language that I've received in the past, I wouldn't even consider to be a human being if you treat other people that way. And um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say on that, just because I'm, I'm just so tired. Tired of it all. <sighs> just sort yourselves out, fandom. Deal with it. And just, yeah, let's just move on. And let's just dive on in because <laughs> hopefully it'll be it hopefully be, this will be a little bit more t entertaining now right <laughs> let's hope all right so today we are continuing obviously with our timeline journey for the battle of the labyrinth chapter 17 the lost god speaks and chapter 18 grover causes a stampede as always i've got my post <laughs> points to focus on so today we've got characters relationships story and generally what I thought of it. But to begin, here's the synopsis. From emotional immaturity to finding old friends and very old gods, the love rival continues just before we are due to head into a gruesome, intense, hyped up battle that... Oh, it's over? Oh. Okay. And then that's the synopsis <laughs> That's the synopsis for chapter 7 and chapter chap, chapter 17 and chapter 18. My goodness. Right. <laughs> so let's just so let's just dive on into chapter 17, The Lost God Speaks. And the overview for chapter 17 is Anna's childhood hero is gone and Percy rubs salt in that wound. Our four O. I don't. Is there a word for when it's not a trio but it's four people? It, if there is, please let me know because I find it embarrassing that I keep using the term four O. Anyway, our four O continue only to find Tyson and Grover once more. More unnecessary romantic drama follows as they head to a powerful source. Grover's quest comes to an end, and we meet Pan, God of the Wild. We are hit over the head with an important environmental message. And then the Lord of the Wild is gone and our heroes head home. And that's pretty much the overview for chapter 17 of The Lost God Speaks because not much happens in this. And considering this is the, the chapter before the battle, <laughs> you think it'd, it'd be a little bit better. Let's just get into it, shall we? Okay, so story. First up, I want to bring a small little inconsistency that I found in this. Um, I don't know if maybe it's easily explained, but it's just something I noticed. So Annabeth was kidnapped when Grover sensed Pan in New Mexico. So she wasn't there, but she's the one who brings up, he got this, we must be in New Mexico because Grover got this way in New Mexico. And like, unless she was told and we didn't see it ever get told how would she know this surely it should be Percy bringing when she mentions I think we're in New Mexico he should respond with oh that makes sense he got like this the last time we were in New Mexico um, but no it, if anything it gets a little bit weird because Percy then responds with he, well basically he shouldn't be saying oh yeah when we passed through New Mexico it's the we here is confusing. It makes it sound like Annabeth was there as well when she wasn't, because that's when she had been kidnapped. Um, so it could possible inconsistency, but either way, it just does kind of 
there's a there was a way to reword that to make it not seem like Annabeth was there I don't know anyway <laughs> uh, the other thing is I'm just getting really sick of this ridiculous love triangle rivalry it's one of the most worn out overused tropes of the girls vying for the boys attention and having hate slash conflict with each other because of it like I've just done a video that will hopefully be coming out talking about love triangles and in particular a love triangle that I think it wasn't the best because love triangles don't really need to exist completely unless they're done specifically for a certain reason or you know ends up polyamory polyamory exists all three love each other you know just saying but in this case it does follow those tropes of them vying for his attention having that hate and conflict and all i can just think is just make them friends we literally had a moment before where they figure out that they do actually have a friendly you know there is a connection between them and then we see them interacting well together but kind of basically the moment percy gets involved there's a conflict again i'm like if they are able to find a way to connect with each other and enjoy talking about things like buildings like architecture and all these things that connect together in you know an arts way something they're both connected to if anything they should have found friendship instead and you know what i'm gonna bring up the example so i do a video to do with the love triangle in legend of korra asami and korra are friends even though they are technically both vying in some way for Mako's attention. But they have the conflict with him. It's him alone because he's the one he's the one who's the problem in this situation because he can't choose, so he's kind of showing affection to multiple different people. But they don't hate each other. They hate the situation, but they don't hate each other. They don't get angry as like, oh, but he likes you as one, he likes me, so I'm going to hate you and not the person who likes multiple people. At this point, like I feel they should have been bonding together and have it be more a Percy feeling awkward because he's like, oh, what? maybe I do like both of them, but now they're getting on, like, what do I do? So make it more an uncomfortable thing for him instead of suddenly changing Annabeth's personality to start a love triangle drama just between the girls. Make it an eternal conflict of Percy instead of just having the two girls classically hate each other as they always do in the literal generations of this trope being in existence and just in general just please just give me female friendship in this series i don't know where i mentioned this but there are no female friendships in this series at least ones that are never developed there is a single moment and slight spoilers for heroes of olympus there is only one moment where the only two girls go on a quest that's the only moment in a 15 book series where two girls go on oh maybe there's another case but that, that one in particular is the one that comes to my mind there was only one case of two single females enjoying their interaction together and going on a quest together in a sense or a side quest at least and that's it that's for our main characters as well our seven main characters that's the only time it happens with our seven the only other time that i guess i can think of is uh reyna with the hunters when they're all going out for their thing down in um some, i think it's somewhere in south america but i'm not too sure i don't really know any places 
But that, those are the only two things. And the one with Raina, it's more of a battle than anything. There's nothing to do with actually, like, actual friendship or actual moments that Percy has. Percy has them with everyone. He's got Grover as a best friend. He's got Tyson as his brother. He's friends with Annabeth. But there's no moment of any of the girls having female friendships. And it really kind of annoys me because that's so unrealistic. All girls in some form enjoy spending time with other girls at some points as well. Maybe they don't have many female friends, but like if there are girls in a group filled with boys, more likely than not the girls are kind of going to bunch together. It's just, it's sort of a protective thing if I'm honest, more often than not. But yeah, I don't know. Just give me female friendships. That's all I want. We don't get any of that in this series and it's ridiculous. Anyway, going back onto the story. Other than those things, we also... Okay. This chapter. Probably the most useless chapter. The only reason it exists is to finish off Grover's little arc thing to do with finding Pan. And honestly, I'm okay with it happening. But it shouldn't have happened the chapter before the battle that the last multiple chapters and the whole entire book have been hyping up towards because this is such a drop down intention that just wasn't needed this this chapter and the next chapter should have been dedicated in some form to this battle that they've been hyping up the entire book but no we just stopped for an environmental message I'm like yeah but <laughs> The environment is important. I enjoy that we do have these moments of being like, the, the, the environment is dying. We need to look after it. Everyone needs to look after it. But wh why is this chapter here? Just stop dragging out the story. If anything, do this from, get I say this all the time, get rid of the Calypso chapter, get rid of, there are so many chapters that could have been got rid of or condensed. Add in the pan moment sooner. Like, when so if we're getting rid of the Calypso chapter have it when Annabeth is healing Percy and they're still stuck in the labyrinth having him healing Percy as ba as much as she can and then they come across Tyson and Grover and then they find the Lord of the Wild and being in his presence helps Percy feel better and then they find out what they need to do like the Lord of the Wild knows who Percy needs to find so he gives him that hint that would be so much better. No need for Calypso. He's able to work it out in a form on his own. There's no sort of emotional betrayal for Annabeth and Percy where he dies, comes back and is like, oh yeah, no, I've got to find someone who's going to take over your quest. There's none of that that happens. It's an emotional moment for them that they then have with their friends and then they're able to figure out how to go on their quest and continue it. That would have been so much better to have that there. I don't know, just having this literally just before the battle. Like, we've just slowed down the impending tension for an environmental message. It just feels so out of place. I th it just, it really, if <laughs> I read it, I was like, I completely forgot this chapter happened because it's such a random place to put it. We're leading up to them running to be able to get back to camp because there is a war literally coming their way and they get there probably maybe like a couple of minutes before it actually happens it's just it's just it's just dragging it out so much this book is so ridiculously long it's kind of annoying 
But anyway, just moving on from that. I'm going to talk about characters as well. Um, just realised, did I talk about my... Oh, it doesn't matter anymore. So we're looking at characters as well. So particularly Percy in this one. Uh, this half ties in with the relationships bit as well. So I want to talk about Percy as a character. But more in particular, Percy and his relationships currently in the rivalry with Annabeth and Rachel. So we start off this chapter, we've just, well, Annabeth has just found out and is just dealing with the fact that Luke, the guy who practically raised her, is now hosting Kronos. But for some reason, he still has a bit of Luke in him, as we saw when the hairbrush hit his eyes and he kind of spoke like Luke again suddenly. So Annabeth is just honestly justifiably upset and he snaps back at her, just like, like he, everything he says in response to it is just like, it can't be, it must be, and like gives this example, it's like, look at it, the way he reacted to that, like it was him, he was there, it's not, it's not really happening. And he just keeps going on, just like, oh, why do you keep defending him? Blah, 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 blah. And like, yes, okay, it is a bit much that she keeps defending him. But then after he's yelled at her and then she starts crying again, he then wonders how he can comfort her. And I'm like, boy, how about letting her be upset over someone she cared about and ask questions about how that can't be true and not keep just telling her, no, 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 he's gone, he's Kronos, he's gone, he's Kronos. Saying that's not going to help someone who is sobbing at this point. So instead he's just making her feel bad about it a little bit in a sense and this is the thing even Rachel thinks this is a bit much and admittedly it probably wouldn't have gotten there if Percy hadn't kept pushing Annabeth she does break she does she does need to deal with it and I agree with that completely she is being unreasonable but currently she is sobbing as I said she is in emotional distress and denial this isn't the time to push her to to see the person that she grew up with as a villain. It's just, it's a difficult thing to go through. But he's not sympathetic or empathetic at all in this moment. I know he's a teenage boy, but this is the thing. What I don't ever get about Percy is he keeps going on about how he doesn't understand Annabeth. He doesn't understand why she's fighting for Luke and all these sort of things. But then he has never actually properly asked her about it. I think he did once and she told a little bit, but he doesn't try again. Like in moments like this where she wants, have him ask, why do you want this not to be so true? I just want to know, is there something I can do? Is there something that we can look into? Like is that, be a comforting present, present, no, be a comforting presence to her. Like, He's never asked her about anything. Like what? He's never asked her about what happened in the past, what Luke means to her, nothing. Honestly, it would solve all these problems he has with not knowing anything about her by actually ans ask his questions and hopefully he'd maybe get an answer for them. But he doesn't ask the questions. Like he, and this is the thing also. So not only does he not ask the questions, the bits and pieces that he does get are his own interpretations that he then takes as fact. He learns bits and pieces of her past and just puts them together in what he thinks they mean. 
and decides what the answer is based on his own guesswork. Like in terms of like her emotionally abusive family. She's told him, you know, that they weren't really nice, they didn't really want me around, they weren't nice people, they didn't want me to destroy their perfect family, their perfect mortal family. He meets them once, they give them cookies. He wants to seemingly help the dad and that's about it. And so when he sees Annabeth again, he says, well, they seem nice, maybe give them a chance sort of thing. I'm like, bro, you clearly did not listen to what she said. Also, you didn't ever seem to really want to learn much about it. I think if you'd actually tried to bond with her a little bit more and ask these things and try and learn more about her, you'd understand. And also, mate, you've come from an abusive household, one that doesn't didn't even have the physical abuse an angle, it had the emotional manipulative angle, and you have the right to tell her, oh, maybe, you know, doesn't seem as bad as what you said sort of the situation like that's so messed up and he's doing them the same he's doing the same thing here with luke luke who he found out in the second book basically raised her from when she was seven they used to live on the land and all these sort of things to escape monsters and he took care of her and the only things he sees is he's only evil and she should get over it basically that's basically how this feels is that He's only seen what he thinks of Luke and he doesn't ever want to try and find out what the Luke that Annabeth knows and why she reacts this way. He only sees what he wants to see and then ex expects her to react the same way. And I find that really frustrating. Like, that you can't expect someone to think the same way that you do but what you can do is try and understand why they think that way and why they're acting this way because of this person. I don't know. It's just, it really irritates me that he doesn't seem to really... He, he goes on about not understanding. I'm like, you're not understanding because you don't want to communicate with her about it. You haven't tried really to communicate with her about it. And it's disappointing. Just... <laughs> He communicates more with Rachel than he does with her. Like, and this is the thing going into the relationships of Percy and the girls. Like, he seems to treat Rachel with more respect than Annabeth. He helps Rachel up, like he takes her hand and helps her off the ground, says she did a good job. Then he just says to Annabeth, who's sobbing on the ground, we've got to go. And... <laughs> he doesn't even offer any form of comfort so she's like oh uh, yeah no i'm fine i'm fine and he even says in his head he can see that she's devastated and she's not fine and he does nothing even the moment before like a few chapters ago where rachel was scared he asks rachel how she's doing and all these sort of things like he's more concerned about rachel than he is about annabeth someone who is currently sobbing on the floor devastated doesn't know what to do and her best friend probably in her eyes i don't know if he sees her that way he's always mentioned grover as being his best friend but they are my, they are meant to be friends of three plus years and he doesn't offer her any form of comfort and it's really upsetting me actually because i think imagine how you felt that someone that you knew 
has changed completely. They've become some kind of, not like a monster, but it's like, you know, the childhood friend that like, you were best friends for years and then suddenly they turned on you and they became a bully and you never really understood it. But you remember all those good times that you had beforehand. And even though you can see that they're a bad person, you have those memories so you can't really deal with it because you see that good and you think that that friend is still in there somewhere. But then you've got a new friend that comes in much later on and they only see this bully. They don't see what you used to see. And it just kind of... It, it just really irritates me. Like, that's not a kind of friend. If someone is telling you... Well, not even telling. She's visibly showing that she is devastated by something and he just doesn't offer her any any support. And that's not what our friend does. A friend would care. But anyway, let's move on to chapter 18. Grover causes a stampede. And the overview for chapter 18 is as follows. Our group, our group, I know I said it right. <laughs> our group make it out and say goodbye to Rachel. Make it back, Making it back to the camp, the drama unfolds. Sacrilege, battle preparations and unfair stereotypes abound. We wait. A burst from the ground and the battle begins. And it does not go well. <laughs> Demigods fall and more monsters come. They've been overrun. Then Daedalus and Braeries arrive and turn the tides. With a screech from Grover amid panic, our enemies retreat quickly. It's time for Daedalus to pass and in doing so, the labyrinth will too. Time to survey the damage. And really, quite a lot of happens in this chapter. But, um... Uh, wow. Um... I'm kind of disappointed in this chapter. Before I go in, so this wasn't, I just want to bring something up. This isn't a big thing in the chapter. It's just a small little line, but I picked it up and I was like, that's, I'm not too, I don't like that wording. There's a moment where Daedalus is talking about how he needs to move on. He, he needs to die to come on. And Percy thinks that means he's going to kill himself. To which he responds with, you can't kill yourself. That's wrong. And... <laughs> Oh no, actually, hold on, maybe I should get the exact quote. Because I think the, the quote itself, it just... The way it's said and the way it makes it sound, it's just... It's like, whoa, pass on? But you can't just kill yourself, that's wrong. I don't know, there is something with that that doesn't sit well with me. As someone who suffers with mental health and um, has in the past considered such things... While I've seen, and I'm going to put this in now, in every episode show notes, there are links for um, mental health advice and support across the world. That I th- I'm pretty sure there are numbers for every country in the world on that number list. Um, so if you do need our, and are in need of mental health support, that is the place to go in our episode show notes. But yeah, as a mental health person, no, no, as someone who suffers with mental health, well, no one should ever get to that point and they should always try and seek help if they can. Don't condemn people who have got into that point. I don't... That wording of it's wrong. 
comes across a lot in like those those whole religious situations where um supposedly if someone does such a thing they go to hell and i'm like that's that's a load of bull people who say that to people and and who supposedly come from an omnibenevolent religion um don't say that the, the the things that people say about people who have gotten to that point and have unfortunately crossed that point you don't you don't condemn them you ha- feel grief instead feel something just you don't just don't condemn them i think that's all i want to get out here because i i really didn't like that wording it's don't if you are getting to that point seek help if you can if you know anyone who is at that point speak to them and seek help and support with their permission for them but don't ever speak poorly of someone who has sadly gone to that point because if someone had helped them maybe they wouldn't have gone to that point don't condemn instantly it's not cool um, I just want to get that out there because that I don't. I assume that probably wasn't the intention, but seeing those words there, with me currently being in a mental health spiral, um, yeah, no, I just wanted to put it out there. Just don't condemn people because of an action that you know they don't want to have. Like it's not. <laughs> it's not like they one day decided. Oh, no, I'm just going to stop now because it's going to make me angry. Anyway, <clears throat> just wanted to bring that up because I just I wasn't a fan of the wording. But anyway, let's dive right back into my favourite topic: love triangles. Ugh. Okay, so the relationships is Percy and the girls again, and in this chapter in particular, I'm particularly peeved at Percy. He is flip flopping so hard. And at this point, I've become... Actually, no, I've become (laughs) team no one. I don't think Percy deserves to be with anyone in a romantic relationship right now. Um, Both Rachel and Annabeth can currently do better because he is being a bit of a douche. Um, He's shown... At current, he has shown more care for Rachel and her well-being and, you know, everything to do with her in the less than a few days that he has known her than to Annabeth, his supposed friend of three plus years. Romantic intentions or not, you don't treat a friend this way who has also clearly shown romantic interest in you by, you know, they kissed. But not long after that, he's been off with another girl on an island, stayed for two weeks, so it's kind of even more heartbreaking. The moment he gets back, Annabeth's grieving his loss and then when they deal with it he then goes oh yeah no this mortal girl I need her help she's going to take over your request like those three things like kiss or not she was grieving for him and all he does is just show that he cared more about two different girls who weren't her after they'd kissed and like yes he doesn't owe her any romantic relationship i think i need to put this out here because it's clear just because something possibly happened or did happen and then something happened afterwards he doesn't owe her romantic relationship but he does need to consider her feelings they kissed 
he seemingly died for two weeks and she grieved for two weeks he then comes back from a place with another woman and another girl sorry another girl and then says he needs to see another girl on the same day that she was grieving and that they were burying his shroud like and from then on he's then been really quite unkind to her and is surprised about her attitudes towards Rachel and I'm like yeah okay I know boys can be well anyone in romance issues as a teen may not notice but if you've just kissed someone and then you've gone straight to another girl to ask for help to do with the thing that that other girl was leading beforehand and you see that that girl is upset and being short and sharp with this other girl I'm sorry but that should be easy to figure out that the girl that you just brought in to take over what that girl's doing after that girl thought you were dead would make her a little bit upset but as we have come to learn Percy is an idiot I just I don't know the whole thing with him and Rachel so like they're seeing her off basically and like they're basically sort of talking about the possibility of a date and it's like he forgets Annabeth's existence and I know that they didn't have anything come, but they had to, they had a date at the start of this book he's then kind of not been very kind to her as a whole they had a kiss in the cave she then thought he died had grief for him and everything and yet he seems more concerned well he considers her just a friend at the moment as well because the reason why he doesn't want to be seemingly excited to spend time with Rachel is because his friends are nearby and he doesn't want them to see that I don't know it made no sense to me but like just I don't know just the whole thing just feels icky and not because he's interested in someone else I'm I'd be fine with him but like setting something up with Rachel but literally this is the nicest way to Rachel the only reason for her existence in this <laughs> is to create a foil for the Percibeth no I'm going to call it the way that I want to call it because I've been bullied too much in terms of the Percibeth relationship that would have been building up at this time this was to kind of throw people off the scent that's literally it she does later have a later purpose which then makes this whole thing completely null and void um but it's dumb it's dumb it's ridiculous it's a classic ridiculous trope and i'm kind of i'm just fed up with it let's just get into the story because just talking about the whole thing just really annoys me it didn't need to exist make them friends and make him then being like oh i don't know they're just they're friends they all seem really cool i don't know what to do about this because that would be more realistic but whatever let's drop into the story so okay to do with this whole battle quote-unquote chapter this is what i meant last week we're rushing the story because we wasted so much of the book on things that didn't matter the battle we were building up to this entire book is in a single chapter and even worse is only half of the chapter it is nine pages out of 18 nine pages of the actual battle out of 18 pages it's literally half the rest of it is them saying goodbye to rachel them getting back to the camp and then the aftermath of daedalus being like yeah no i got to die now and the aftermath of that that's it that's the chapter a battle that has been hyped up 
from the beginning of the book, pretty much, happens in a single chapter. Why build up to a battle if it isn't going to play any important part in the story? The only things of significance that happen is Nico showing his powers, we've already got an idea of that, Brary's coming in to help, and Daedalus being good again, and then sacrificing himself, and then Grover's shriek power thing. That's it. Like the battle itself just feels dull in comparison. We don't see anything happen. It doesn't feel like a loss. It just It's just kind of... It's like any normal battle in the Percy Jackson books, just with more people fighting. That's it. And that's boring. If you've been building up to it from the get-go, pretty much, then, you know, make it feel like something important happened. Maybe it's to do with the aftermath. The aftermath maybe is the important thing. I don't know, but it just... This is called the Battle of the Labyrinth. There has been no battle of actual importance this entire book. They all just mean nothing. And they get and then there are too many of them, so they feel boring. Even the ones that are exciting, you've usually had a battle the chapter before, so it just feels like, oh, it's just another monster fight now. Too much is happening. And then you've dragged it out for so long that you need to rush through this battle part as well. It's just not good. I just, it's just the whole thing. The fact that it was built up and hyped up so much, it feels like there should have been more of an impact to the story. I think that's just the thing. As we come to the last couple of chapters, everything is just speeding up so quickly just to tie up all the loose ends of the story. That's all this is doing. They're rushing it to tie up the loose ends because they messed it all up by having far too much happen at the start. I'm just I'm really frustrated because this book could have been a really interesting story but it's not because it's rushed too many inconsistent unconsequential boring elements in the book occur leading up to this battle a battle that means nothing and just you can just then continue to build on a rivalry that didn't even need to exist and yeah it's just it's just great <laughs> but yeah anyway to move on from that i've just i'm intrigued as to your thoughts on this battle actually so this week's question of the episode is what were your thoughts on the final battle in the battle of the labyrinth and obviously they'll be posted on all our social media so uh, go check us out there sorry this has been another rant which hopefully you guys have come to a join now because that's basically what i do so as always thank you all for joining me for the battle of the labyrinth be sure to join me next wednesday as we continue our Odenverse journey to plug where you can find our podcast we are available on spotify apple podcast audio boom stitcher and deezer in the meantime between episodes you can find the best damn camp on various social media our best damn camp pod on instagram and twitter if you want to email me with your own thoughts you can email the best damn camp at hotmail.com and i'll read it out at the end of the show if you want to support me making this content check me out on patreon at a healthy dose of fran and want to know more about my upcoming writing and novels drop me a follow at a dose of fran on instagram twitter and tiktok again thank you guys for tuning in as always i've been fran your very own hunter and i'll see slash speak to you guys next time Toodaloo.